welcome to in between right now i'm sitting in front of a restaurant and i'm waiting for a friend but as usual he's coming on indian standard time and it will probably take him another 20 minutes to reach here but as usual the good thing is that it never gets boring waiting here because there are so many things happening there's always something to see and at the moment there is a scene unfolding next to me and I've been watching it for a while now and then decided that I'll start a podcast about it. So something is irritating me about what I see and now I spent the last few minutes to trying to find out what. So next to me there is a street child playing. She's a girl and she's barefoot and she looks like the typical people who sell some small try to sell balloons or in her case pens or whatever to to people so street kids begging for money trying to sell things and right now she's like sitting on a column a few meters away from me she's completely ignoring me or she has forgotten that I'm also there <laughs> waiting like her and uh, she's having a chai and a few biscuits and somehow she spilled a mountain of biscuits and now she's slowly pouring the chai over it so she's basically just playing just being a kid but i feel somewhere that was so irritating to me because i feel these kinds of kids i've always only seen them being completely about business and that's the first time i see a street kid actually play and just being a kid and this realization somewhere is so sad i cannot even it because anyway I mean especially because I'm white they come even more that's also so interesting why she's ignoring me now so that means she's completely like she's not in her selling role somehow but usually yeah they come they touch me they back they speak in Hindi they ask for money and if I don't give them money they hit me and it's every time like it it hurts your heart it's so horrible but I'm not sure somehow this scene is even more hurts me even more to see it because yeah the fact that the first time I'm seeing a street child actually being a child and not kind of an adult going about some business. And there's another thing I've uh, been <laughs> keeping myself busy with since I'm here waiting. So in front of the restaurant, in the, on the door, there's a huge poster and it's very normal in India to have a lot of advertisement for fertility clinics. So either religious ones or like medical ones. And this is like a huge poster and it's rather religiously motivated and it talks about um, about some kind of temple somewhere where couples should go and take a hotel next to this temple and then they should pray there every day of course and then that quote unquote the divine vibration will <laughs> make sure that they will get kids <laughs> when uh, they're going down to business in their uh, respective hotel rooms and it's very interesting so somehow I feel that in Switzerland this is more of a taboo not really a taboo not sex but I think like the whole reproductive health sector and like what to do if it's not working and all of this and here it comes with so much superstition or I don't know or let's say religious inputs and medical inputs like inputs from so many sites and somehow it's very funny to see this hanging here and being able to read that that's the good thing in India you have to wait a lot even if you yourself have become half Indian and you're all the time also on Indian standard time but uh, there's also always things to see while you're waiting so I'm every time grateful for that 
So in my head, there's still a list of things I always wanted to do in Delhi and I never got the time to do in that one year I was there. And one of the things I really wanted to do, people kept telling me about it. Some people said, no, don't go. It's a little dangerous. Other people said, no, you have to go. But somehow I never made it, although I really wanted to go, is uh, going to Nizamuddin and listening to Kawali. And yesterday I finally made it and I went there with a Swiss friend. So Nizamuddin is kind of a, a tomb, but also a mausoleum for a Sufi saint. So it's, this place is called Darga. And I think there's a lot of religious, there are a lot of religious things happening, like messes and probably prayers also and this Kabali thing is happening, so many devotional things, but uh, the person to whom this place is dedicated is a Sufi saint from the Sufism tradition. And Kabali, I'm not exactly an expert on all this, especially not on Islamic things, but uh, as far what I can say is that the Kabali is our devotional songs. So in the tradition of Sufism, of course, dedicated to God. They talk a lot about the love to God and they are really beautiful and they are like, yeah, sing, they're singing, there is clapping, there is drums. And it's supposed to, I think, also put you in some kind of, not really trance, but in ecstasis, there is, there is supposed to be some kind of union with God when you listen to these songs. And they're being performed every first day in this very place. So we took an uber and went into this locality and we both of us dressed up like long skirts long sleeves we had a scarf with us to cover our heads and went into this place so you have to hand in as usual leave your shoes at the entrance and then you move into that building with stone walls and there's like long aisles and then you go left right left right and there's so much happening already there a lot of beggars sitting left and right and asking you for money while you're passing. Uh, people selling things which you can uh, like, yeah, sacrifice, like flowers and all kinds of things. I don't even know what they're good for, which you can like offer to the gods. And so eventually we got into the place and it's like kind of half open. So they're like, as a roof, there are big pieces of cloth and also half open and there's like some stone structure in the middle where people I think they're they read out probably different things from Sufism and uh, that's where they give the offerings and all of that and when we reached there people were still holding some kind of mess I don't think it was a proper prayer because people were not kneeling down on the floor as or something but it was like some kind of mess and you hear it in the background about Allah and all so we got there a little too early but then we just stood at the side and we watched it and it's so colorful like they're not only Muslims because in especially I think in this specific locality people from everywhere are accepted also I think Sufism is a bit more open to people from other religions and this Kavali thing is definitely open to anyone and yeah people are wearing such colorful clothes and yeah it's so many people all the time people pass you and walk and so much happening and so we waited for that to get over and then once the people 
uh, got their offering and we just there was a lot of shuffling around and eventually found a place for ourselves where we could sit down and then we waited at least for another hour for the kawali to start but it's just a really nice environment to be in so much to see and yeah there we were sitting like really uh, a crowd was building up so you're really sitting knee to knee shoulder to shoulder with other people like in a huge mass of people on the floor eventually the musicians came and uh, yeah they started playing and already the first song they played by somehow <laughs> I knew it and I know a few of these songs from my last time in India because they are also just nice to listen to and kind of popular in that way so I was super excited that I knew the first song and then I kept knowing songs which was amazing and then you sit there you listen you clap you sing a bit and you just enjoy it and I find these songs really touching some I don't know somehow they do speak to me and also the fact that you're sitting in this ocean of people so many people sitting next to each other and it makes you feel kind of warm to be a part of it and be like sit sit in the masses and every one of us is enjoying this thing together was really beautiful and also there's so much to observe for example I saw one woman which was like sitting across from me and she was in complete meditation so closed eyes motionless sitting there and uh, a really beautiful sweet smile on her face the whole time or to my right not exactly next to me but a bit further there was a hijra and that would be explaining what a hijra is would be a whole topic by itself but to keep it short I know I'm not an expert on this so it's uh, people who are transgender so either already born uh, born with two uh, sexual genders or they change their sexual organs eventually to yeah to be in between basically and uh, there is a whole tradition around it they live in sisterhoods they don't get employed and people believe that they can give or take fertility so either if you give them money they can bless you and make sure you will get many children but if you don't or if you insult them then they can curse you and take your fertility away so people are a bit scared of them and when they come and back and ask for money many people give them money although they never come to me I've seen quite a couple again since I'm here like begging on the street and they wouldn't come to me but I think their lives are quite precarious in the sense that they don't get employment and so they have to beg a lot of them also are in sex work um, but they have their sisterhood and it's a whole culture and tradition and to be honest I don't know enough about it because I've never really talked to a hijra I've just read about it so uh, that person was sitting there and I already looked at her and I was like okay and then when I looked at her again later she was like completely crying and praying really praying for something like mumbling to herself and it was so touching and of course in these moments you're like wondering like oh what is going on in her head or his head and what what does this person pray for you make all these small observations and then we went back so it was totally worth it I really like it and I wish I would know more about this kind of culture I yeah as I said I'm not an expert on it so if it interests you both the hijras or the whole kawali thing and please read up on it by yourself and don't yeah I just say what I've heard and what I've read but not being an expert on it
other day I was on my way to visit friends and these friends live like one hour outside of Delhi so I was lazy enough to use an Uber and well then I was like in the car for one hour and after a while I asked the driver if he could put on some Hindi songs so that we had something to listen to while we were in the car and being all silent so he was like of course and he was like fumbling with the radio and trying to find yeah find some Hindi songs which he eventually found some old ones and I was all happy like watching the landscape passing by and listening to the songs I knew some of them it was beautiful and eventually we got talking and as usual people always ask me if I've already if I've already married because that's like the main event in people's life and it's normal to ask if it has already happened or not so I was like no and I asked him back and he said yeah just three months ago and from then on we somehow started talking and he told me how he married against his own family against his wife's family and of course I kept asking more and he explained me that well his parents started to put pressure on him wanted him to see different girls but since 10 years he had an affair with a school friend of him of his and he explained me how they met and how they were shy in the beginning and they started talking more and more and more and all the small little things he did to court her and really sweet the only problem is she's from a poor family and from a social very different background so the family wouldn't have the money to pay the dowry and nothing so his family of course did not agree at all and uh, also her family didn't agree but her family didn't agree because I am guessing there must be some cost reason. I'm not sure why, but he even said that for them now, they say like, yeah, our daughter has died. <laughs> so bad. And they still got married behind their parents' backs. And then later they told them. And since then they're living alone, like with neither of the families, which is not so typical in India. But they still, they are happy. That's what they say. And they still have hope that it's only been three months. Maybe the families will change their minds. But yeah, it was. It seemed so brave to me. And he said like how he couldn't have been with anyone else because he really wanted to be with that person. And how he, she's studying and he plans to let her find a job or study more or be a housewife, whatever she wants. And, and I really liked the story. And also the fact that he just shared the story with me in a one-hour car ride and was so beautiful how people are so open to share and how you just keep collecting these stories in India and yeah I talked a lot with him also about I wouldn't we didn't use the word feminism but maybe it was more or less about that that more men should work the way he works like and yeah give women more freedom and all and yeah really a brilliant guy like not very educated not very but such a sweet nature and then when he dropped me, he also told me, see, to, through the Uber app, you have my number. If you have any problems in Delhi, just call me. I'll try to help you. Like, really sweet. And I was so happy to talk to you. And, I mean, I was super happy to talk to him also. And we shake hands and then I was off. Also, I'm realizing that now my Hindi is really good again like I'm back in the in the flow and I keep having these cute little conversations with like drivers all over the place and yesterday I was uh, using an auto like a rickshaw and 
I was haggling like crazy with the guy because he wanted to have some really outrageous price and eventually we settled on a price which is still a little bit outrageous but not that bad and then he saw that I have a helmet with me because I borrowed it from a friend because I intend to go on some bike ride and I wanted to have a better helmet than the one I have and uh, he was like yeah do you drive and I was like no no <laughs> and by the way all of these conversations happened in Hindi <laughs> so I am still very proud whenever this happens and yeah do you drive and I was like no I would like to but it's the wrong side of the road for me and let's see I want to learn and all of that and he then told me ah don't worry like in the beginning I started learning to drive a cycle and I was falling driving falling driving <laughs> and then and then a scooty falling driving falling driving and a bike and then an auto and a car and you will also learn and we had a lot of <laughs> a sweet little conversation about this with the guy who seemed so down to business when we talked in the beginning and at the end he shook my hand said it was a pleasure to talk to you I was like yeah it was a pleasure to talk to you too and it's just it's cute like these small little connections I really appreciate it and also my weekend was really good uh, I went to a friend's place for some kind of get together which was a bit inspired by Diwali so we all cooked together we cooked like uh, I learned how to make idli, but the instant version is like a South Indian kind of a pancake. This description is still shitty, but <laughs> that's the best I can do, a savory pancake, kind of. And we made pizza and many other things and uh, cooked together, listened to music together. We dressed up a lot, like in these glittery Indian festive dresses and played cards, because apparently that's what people do for Diwali. And we were dancing to some Punjabi songs. And I just love these kind of get-togethers. It's just so beautiful. Yeah, and so much fun. <laughs> and now since I'm traveling, like I have a lot of time to think, as usual. My favorite thing to do in autos. And at the moment, I'm thinking a lot about nostalgia. About the way that when you go back to a place place in which you already have a lot of memories you have a lot of yeah made many experiences the way that somehow one tends to be in that state of nostalgia all the time and one tends to kind of live in the past a bit like trying to relive the same things the same memories talking about the good old times and interestingly i don't think it's only me it's also many of my indian friends we talk about the time when we were studying together or when we were going on this trip, that trip, when we were this huge group doing this and that. And sometimes it's yeah difficult to really, one has to actively force oneself to create new memories and yeah change relationships in new ways instead of just living in the past all the time. And I didn't expect this to be so difficult because I'm usually not someone who lives in the past a lot, but yeah, here it seems true somehow. So I am thinking about a lot about that these days. And moreover, another thing which is interesting, like I had the past three weeks time to watch myself getting adapted again to India, which is interesting. So especially a lot of the small things, for example, the first time I was given a plate again and I was expected to eat with my hands again, I was like, oh God, how did this work again? How did I do this again? 
and while this was the most normal thing for me after a while when I was living here for a year but now the first time it was weird but now I'm completely back in and I love it and I find it interesting and this happens with a lot of things like for example also the way of the whole bucket shower thing where you like shower with water from a bucket and not like a normal shower where the water just rinse on you and it's such a good way to shower you use so not a lot of water it's so quickly and all but yeah it takes time to get back into it also the Indian way of using toilets and all of that things in which I was so completely yeah, I was so into it I it was so normal and routine for me in that one year I lived here but now it took me a little bit of time to get back into it or also another thing is like the whole way of living and planning um, for example yeah it's hard to make plans here or after a while you know with whom the plans are gonna work out and with whom they will not work out with whom a yes is a yes and, <laughs> and the no is a no and with whom not and on the one hand you kind of learn to deal with it although there's still many times it gets frustrating if you're from a country like Switzerland where things are very planned and very yeah very straightforward but somehow you also become a bit like this for example yeah by now I'm like if I say yes to a plan I know that with some people this is yeah I have two other options and let's see I say yes but maybe I'll come maybe I won't come so you get like this yourself and you back out of plans and because everyone does it you also do it all of these also communication and things like it's interesting how I observe myself like getting back into a certain way of living which is necessary to survive here. And then there are things uh, which I feel like I don't really need to adapt consciously, but they are just like uh, cool things in India or things I really like about the culture, which in which into which I get really easily get back into it. For example, one thing is the sharing of food. I just love it. Like the fact that in restaurants you don't just order your own thing, but you order together and you order maybe if you're four people, you order three dishes and then you share all of it and whatever dish comes first, everyone starts digging in and then the next one, the next one and this whole possession idea is not really there or not in the same sense and I just love that. Also the portions in India are usually bigger than what one person alone could eat because it's expected that you're sharing or that's what most people do. So I, yeah, I really like that. And in general, the whole culture of sharing, whatever you have, it's clear that you share it with your friends. If it's water, if it's whatever it is. And as I said before, there a lot of times there's no thank you involved because, yeah, it's just natural. It's just what you do. You take that for granted and it takes some time to get adjusted to this as a Western person, which is very used to possess things. And this is mine, this is yours. Not of that, but... It's beautiful. But I remember that the last time I came back from India after a year, like people reminded me to say more thank you because I kind of forgot when I was back home. So like I was still in that mood and now I'm trying to get back into the other mood. And yeah, even though it needs time to adjust, I just really like it. That's one of the things. Um, another thing I really like is uh, the way people make jokes here. They joke about things usually 
things about which we wouldn't joke that fast or with people we don't know so well or in general like the jokes are a bit more blunt sometimes and especially if something bad happens or something I don't know something which you get a bit shocked I always feel like it takes one minute and my one of my Indian friends starts to make some kind of joke about it and I just yeah I I love it it takes time to adjust again but somehow it's a different way to deal with life and with the things that happen to you Yeah, I find it very interesting. And also I feel like I get on to an informal level, like a level of uh, comfort and informality with people a lot quicker than in Switzerland. I feel that's why I tend to connect very well like with a lot of my Indian friends, which is yeah, just a beautiful thing to be back to that. And another thing I like is uh, the whole flexibility which life comes with here. For example, it's no problem if you're being too late or if something completely unexpected happened and you wouldn't know how to explain that, but it happened and now you're too late or now you cannot come there or this and that. While this would be kind of unacceptable in Switzerland, here it's like people already know that life can be weird and unexpected things can happen. And so it's a lot more okay. Like people take life as it comes because they know it's crazy. Everyone of us knows it can be crazy. And this is kind of... Yeah, this approach to life, although I cannot really put it in words nicely, yeah, always strikes me as something quite beautiful. Yeah, for example, I was supposed to meet the professor and I came 20 minutes late because I think there was a traffic accident or something, but like I, it took me so much more time than usual to go about the same route. And then I, of course, I frantically sent emails to her, like apologizing and warning her that I will be late and all. And then I came and she was like, okay, I have another meeting at three. So <laughs> in 10 minutes. So I'm sorry for that. But okay, it's no problem. It's okay. It can happen. Sit down and let's see what we can get done in this 10 minutes. And this kind of attitude, I really love. And in general, it's like the way pe things unfold is a bit more relaxed, which is also something I really appreciate. For example, if there is an some kind of event Like in Switzerland, people are punctual and then you get there and it's already bad if you're coming late. But it's clear that you will be there from the beginning to the end of the event. If you really have to leave, you can, but it's not considered a good thing. And uh, yeah, it's like here there's a constant coming and going. And if you're late, okay, that's not bad. This is also not rude. Just come and go. There are, of course, contexts in which things are rude and allowed and not allowed. But in general, I feel like there's a lot more everything feels a bit more relaxed in some ways which I appreciate big time but again I cannot put it in words as well as I would like to then of course there's the topic of my PhD topic and these days whenever someone approaches me and asks me how is the topic search going I'm just go like <sighs> because this is exactly how it feels to me Uh, I feel like I'm still nowhere, I don't get any further and uh, I met two professors, like both of them are professors from the university I used to study and I admire them and their work so much, I loved their courses when I studied here and so I met them to brainstorm a bit and talk about my topic and again it made me realize that no one can take the decision for me, people maybe can suggest me readings, they can tell me what 
this is a good topic or not, this has been done or not, this is interesting or not, this is relevant or not. They can tell me all, or this is a new thing or not. They can tell me all these kind of things, but no one can tell me what I should do in the end. Or also, I don't know, uh, one of the professors, she really emphasized a lot of the social media topics. I proposed and she said, you should really look at social media and she brainstormed with me some other phenomenons and all but more and more I felt like but that topic maybe it's brilliant but it's not me I don't see myself analyzing social media content for the next five years so again there's like if you have to choose something for the next five years it should be a project which you see yourself doing which in that case more and more I realize I don't see myself doing that it's a good research topic and someone should do it, but so t- should that someone really be me? I'm still completely stuck, unfortunately. <laughs> and uh, last time I talked a lot about these two influencers I know from acrobatics, like from lower class backgrounds, but who have a lot of success on social media and that I would like to look into their biographies and see how social media changed their lives and all. So I met both of them and had some half an hour conversation with them just to test the waters a bit and see if that topic could be something. And what I felt was that somehow the topic seems too similar, like in Switzerland. So, I mean, the conversations were really interesting and I'm proud that they worked out in Hindi for half an hour, just as good as I was hoping. And it was interesting to see how they saw other people doing movement stuff on social media and how they wanted to do something big and something different and how they started to train and work for it and their parents were against them of course and didn't like it but these days when people come and like neighbors or parents friends and tell them like oh have you seen the new video of your son it's brilliant and did you see how many followers he has and this and that it gets more and more accepted but it's still a struggle but both of the stories even though they had a lot of interesting details, what I felt is they are quite similar to stories of middle-class people in Switzerland who crave the same thing, basically getting out of that system of nine-to-five jobs and creating a different career for themselves, like another job following some talent they have, yeah, going on to another path and using social media as a, pa- as a path to get there. Yeah, somehow I don't see why it's legitimate to do this in India, look at this in India, look at this in the lower class, because somehow it's so similar. Also, the things they said were so similar. And so more and more, I feel like this topic might be interesting, but why with the lower class? Why in India? Or should I just pursue it like in a general way? Like generally, like people who leave their jobs and start to do social media things and then get into another alternative career. But yeah, somehow I feel more and more that this topic is not sustainable the way I thought it is. So now I'm again lost. I have some two, three topics more in my mind, but I'm not sure if they're going to work out. But I will talk about them once they're more, I have talked to more people or once they're more like figured out. I'm going about things in a very untraditional way, like usually it's you have an idea, then you write a proposal, then you got a PhD post or assistant post, and then you start your research. In my case, it's I got a post (laughs) and now I'm looking for an idea and then hopefully a proposal comes and then hopefully the research starts. So it's all the wrong way around and that makes me feel pressured and alone. And yeah, it's so difficult. 
maybe I just have to choose something and stick to it and see where it gets me. But even that choosing, no one can do it for me. And it's, yeah, it's difficult. But to take a bit of the pressure out, because sometimes when you're really under pressure, this helps. I told myself that maybe I'll come back to India in January and I'll go back home in the meantime and I read more and then maybe I come back and finalize the topic then if I'm not able to do it now. Because, yeah, I think it should be well thought through and I should be sure, but how am I going to get sure? <laughs> so <laughs> it's still a mess, but let's see. I'll keep documenting after every time after I meet people and... So I'm still at it and I have three more weeks. So let's see what's going to happen. Then I want to talk once more about Sufism and tell you about another visit to Adharga. I know I already talked about one in this episode, but I want to talk about this one because sometimes I feel that the unexpected things which happen are just usually so much more beautiful and striking than when you plan stuff in in the sense that we planned to go and watch Kavali in, in the Dharga and then we went there and then it was amazing and this time it was like not a lot of planning but things just happen and they just small little cool and cute things keep adding up and make a perfect evening and that's how it was this time so I was with some friends like in Meroli like and in Kutub Menar looking at some archaeological stuff and yeah just marveling at these monuments and after that we went into a dharga so again a Sufi shrine kind of a place and I only started reading about Sufism a few months ago and I still didn't get very far so as I said last time I don't really know so much about it but what is interesting like I keep on finding out more while I am here going to these places and discovering. And that's also something like I like about India, like a lot of things which last time when I went to Kavali like stroke me or I didn't really understand. Now again, I talk to more people. I saw more things, observed more things. I already understand it a bit better. And some of the conclusions I draw there now, I they're already, um, I can falsify them. So yeah, you keep learning, missing puzzle ti puzzle pieces keep coming and yeah, it's it's interesting how this works. So so this time it was very similar. There was a long aisle and we had to put out our shoes and we were walking and there were people selling all these kind of things to offer. And already last time I was like, what kind of things are they? I don't really get it. But this time I more and more understood that like in Sufism, it's really an interesting blend of things I know from... Uh, Islamic traditions and things I know from Hindu tradition so the whole the way you dress the way people dress the way certain realms are only for men others only for women the way that yeah people dress up and everything sounds and feels is has a very Islamic feel to me but then you have these offerings and all which seems so reminds me of things I know from Hinduism so in a way, it's a perfect blend of things from both these traditions, which gets yeah comes together at these Sufi places, which is really very interesting. So that I started to understand this time. And in the Targa we went to, there's like a famous Sufi saint is buried there. And, uh, but you cannot go into the place where he's buried, but there are some windows which through which you can see it. And people came there and they were praying and 
it looked really interesting and a lot of people after their prayers they seemed to take some of these yellow red pieces of rod rope which i see a lot of uh, hindu people wearing around their wrists and they tied there and on some of these uh, ropes they also tied i saw um some bangles so in india a lot of women wear bangles it's a tradition but also it's a cultural thing which people just do and i was wondering if these women then stand there to make their prayer and maybe to emphasize the wish they are making or what they are praying for they leave a bangle there and like tie it to the rope so seeing these bangles and then simultaneously seeing some people praying and yeah standing in front of the windows and watching at the place where the saint is buried was very interesting and yeah even when we got there there were two kids and they asked me and my swiss friend if we are from kashmir because a lot of people with very fair skinned faces and sometimes blue eyes are from kashmir but we definitely don't look like kashmiris at all <laughs> it's very obvious that we are tourists and the way we move the way we look and all too blonde and yeah but then uh we started talking to them and they're so cute i love talking to kids usually their hindi is they don't speak so pronounce so clearly and they speak very fast so it's sometimes not so easy to understand but i love talking to them and they ask us questions i ask them questions and it's yeah it was really cute and then we went into the yeah into the building for a bit and then we came back out and there like some play some musicians just came and they sat down in the middle of the small square and they started to play kawali and completely unexpected and it was beautiful and the people around started to sit down and the kids also sat down right in front of them and they're like gesturing towards me like come 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 sit next to me sit next to me but since i didn't really understand how things are working and i kept myself like a bit apart and was like watching and then figuring out what's the right thing to do uh it was so cute and the kawali was beautiful the people were singing and playing like beautiful again and yeah it was so cute the the kids were so cute and then the kids the two girls and their also i think their relatives they came sitting next to us and they kept asking questions and we kept smiling at each other and it was just listening just enjoying to the music the music and it's Yeah for me these unexpected moments they feel like gifts it's like I was like oh wow this is so beautiful that I'm here right now and I can enjoy that and I can have that little connection with the kids and with their mothers also just smiling at them and sharing this moment although we are not exactly sure what we share we don't know anything about each other's lives and I just loved it and after somehow after the prayer you get some prasad some sweets which after offering in the prayer usually people get i know that from hindu temples so but apparently in sufism there also exists so it's part of this blend of traditions and it was some very sweet milk cake and since i wasn't inside anyway like i didn't get it so we all of us didn't get it and we were outside but then one of the kids came and she gave me hers so i took a bit and we shared it among us and i wanted to give the rest back she was like no oh, you have it you have it and i was having it and it was like yeah just so cute and yeah these moments are so precious to me maybe i'm a bit of a romantic i don't know i'm romanticizing all of this in a very orientalist way but still it's just yeah these are moments when i really love it and what i also love is like 
how you keep learning how every time you feel like you have figured something out a bit then the complete opposite happens and you're confused again and again and again India shows you like don't try to use your general principle on it because it won't work you will sooner or later encounter the opposite of whatever you thought you have figured out by now and that keeps happening to me not in all realms but in a lot and I love it I think it's part of what fascinates me so much about India and keeps which keeps making me coming back and yeah I think to me that's just fascinating